0: Good morning. Good morning. Man, that music is groovy. that put anybody else in like a nice, chill, relaxing mood? No? Just me. All right. So I enjoyed that. So good morning. Good morning. I am thrilled to be speaking with you this morning. Um, we're going to be diving into the importance of worship. Um, I know that um, we all have different views on this. Um, we're going to go into something I'm going to do to simplify it. Um, but I want you to turn to two passages this morning. Um uh, One is going to be um, in Exodus chapter three, so if you're taking notes, you can go ahead and mark that one. Um, and then we're also going to be turning to psalm seventy three I will be taking my own set of notes to see who is and who isn't taking notes. so let's just keep that in mind. <laughs> so one of the things um, I want to talk about is that um a lot of us come on Sunday mornings and we enjoy the music. um We come for the singing. But if you're coming just for the singing, I think you're missing what worship is truly about. Um, I've gotten done with the worship that I've been a part of just being in the congregation. I've heard people that would say, man, I just had an encounter with God. That was amazing. And then on the same row next to them, there might be someone that says, okay, I mean, it was all right. So how can one person have an encounter with God and then three seats over someone feel like they just didn't feel anything and uh, didn't really get anything from it? How can that happen? So we'll dive into that. This morning, I just want to start with one thing, though, that I believe with all my heart, and that's that every single time that you enter into the presence of God, he speaks to you. So let me say that again. Every time, no matter where I am, whether it's at church, home, in the car, at work, that I enter into the presence of God, he speaks to me, every time without fail. So let's pray this morning. God, we just thank you that we got to encounter you in worship and lift your name and invite you into this place. We thank you that we can freely sing and gather and lift your name. And God, I just pray that our hearts are prepared and our attention is on you so that we can receive your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Let's start this morning. I want to start with um, a scripture in Revelation. It's chapter 3, verse 20. I think we have it up there. It says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I'm sure a lot of you have heard this passage before. Um, It's basically meaning that he wants to come into your heart, he wants to live with you by his Holy Spirit, and we get that, and that's great. But I want to ask, why did he say, and eat with you? I believe it's because he's desiring an intimacy and a fellowship. And when we come to church on Sunday morning, a lot of us come to be fed the word of God, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. But I do think we're missing something. It's not just about what we are eating, but whom we are eating with. And when we come to church, I know we come to get fed and get a good meal. But the key to it all is that Jesus is the one sitting across the table from us. Does that make sense? We're dining with him when we come together as a family. We're not just coming to have good lights or good music or a great message. We are coming to meet and encounter God. Um, and I want us to make sure we don't think of um, the word and the sermon as the entree of this meal and then the worship as the appetizer. <laughs> I think we can all view, some of us have been in that you know, situation where we're like, yeah, we'll get to the songs, but I want to hear the word and I have three simple words for you this morning as we dive into this that will be practical for you um, for when you think about worship. So the three, and we'll go through each one in detail. The first one is listen. The second one, or the first one is look, excuse me. The second one's listen. And the third is to learn, okay? So when we tackle the first one, let's tackle look. It's, uh, let's go to Exodus chapter 3. We'll start in verse 1. And now I'll just start reading. This is Moses. And now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Hareb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire. Yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you were standing is holy ground. Now, I hear in that passage that he looked at God. And he didn't glance, and that's something that I think is important, but he turned aside from whatever he was doing, and he looked. And I think when we come to church on a Sunday morning, whatever you have to do this coming week, even what you're doing after this service, I want that while we're together and we're worshiping and we're encountering God for us to look at him. That's why a lot of the songs that we sing about God's goodness are about his glory and God's attributes because we are looking at God. We're turning our attention off ourself, and we're focusing on him. Does that make sense? That's what we come to do on a Sunday. Um, Here's a a word that I like to use instead of look to help us better understand it, um, and that's the word focus. Um, The reason why, uh, I don't know if you could feel it, but I could feel God's presence during the worship, and I'm so thrilled for Alec and Lauren leading worship for us this morning, is because some of us were focused on God during the worship. And I think, and I've done this before, I've been guilty, but how many of you can say, I sometimes am an ADD worship, worshiper? Anybody? Okay, I can top you. Sometimes I'm an ADD worship leader. That's even worse. I'm not lying to you. I'm going to be candid. I've been up here before singing, and in you know, we do these songs a lot, so they're memorized, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, um, man, is the Cowboys the 330 or the Twelve thirty, because if it's the twelve thirty, I'm not gonna sing this chorus again. I'm just kidding. I don't. I do not think that last part, <laughs> but I do think about the Cowboys, and so I feel convicted. And I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna focus. I don't, and you know, sometimes I close my eyes tight. It's not because my eyelids being tighter gets me closer to God's glory. It's because I'm trying to focus myself and turn my attention off everything that could distract me. Okay, you follow me so far? Yes. This means yes. This means no. You follow me so far? All right, good, good. Another example I like to use when we talk about looking or focusing on God is, for instance, when you're getting ready in the morning and you look in the mirror, um, you don't glance at it before you leave for the day. You look and you you go over it in detail. Now I can tell some of the men in here they do not do this, <laughs> but you know, a lot of us when we're getting ready in the morning, we make sure we look presentable and we look in the mirror. You know, we focus on the details. Our attention. Is focused, okay? And in the same way, if we will come and look at the glory of God, we will be changed. There's two places that change take place, and I believe that's when we intently look at the Word and intently look at worship. Um, a few Sundays ago, uh, I guess it was maybe three Sundays ago, uh, I was uh, Kim was in Fort Worth, so I had the kids by myself, and one's six and one's four. I'm sure y'all have seen them running around here. They're a handful and we're trying to get dressed, and my daughter now thinks that she knows the proper attire to wear in cold weather, and Daddy doesn't, and so we had the clothes fight, and Austin wants to bring three toys, and I said one, and then I'm trying to find the keys, and we know the routine, and I'm also looking at the clock, and we're rushing out the door, and I'm not making this up. I shut my apartment door, and and it won't close, and there's three hinges. The bottom hinge has separated about an inch from the wood, and all like two of the three screws have fallen out, so the door is away. And these are like heavy doors, they're not just wood, and so it won't close. And I'm trying everything. I get new screws. I'm like, this is not the time for my door to just randomly not want to work. So <laughs> I'm like texting staff members, hey, I'm going to be late. I'm fixing my front door. Um, Well, I call the emergency line of the apartment, and I'm like, so they give you a list of things that qualify as an emergency, and I'm waiting patiently through the list, and they literally said, if your front door won't shut or lock, that qualifies. I'm like, oh, perfect. So I leave the voicemail. They say they'll get back to me immediately. Fifteen minutes later, I didn't have a phone call. This is now three weeks later. I still don't have a phone call. Um, So at one point, while I was waiting on this, I said, I have to go to church, we have rehears- I mean, I have to go, so we just left the door unlocked and halfway open, like cracked open about this much and i'm I'm like there's nothing I can do. I have a renter's insurance, so I guess you know that helps um, so we we get to church and we go through rehearsal, and I found myself just flustered, like I was thinking. What if someone breaks in? I mean, I do you know, you don't want someone to break into your home, obviously. It's your personal belongings, it's your it's your place of privacy, and you'd feel violated, and our apartments were right by the gate, and there's been some instances lately with some cars being broken into, and so I'm just running all these things in my head and worrying and worrying. And I was I was backstage, it was about 1015, and I as clear as day heard God say to me, Stop it. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, we're not supposed to look who raised their voice first. No, I'm just kidding. Um So I was like Oh, and he's like, stop it. I want you to focus on me. Take your attention off all the distractions. Yes, your door didn't close this morning. It's, it's frustrating. It's annoying. It doesn't make sense that they didn't call you on the emergency line that promised they'd call you when you had the thing listed on their list. But I want you to focus on me this morning. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of you. Focus on me. I'm worthy of it. And so backstage, I just took like, you know, a few seconds And I said, all right, God, I give it to you, and I focus on you. And I came out, and I had a great and wonderful and special encounter with God during worship. And it's because I took my attention off everything in my life, and I said, I'm just going to focus on you, Jesus. And I know that some of you might say to me, Josh, music isn't my thing. I maybe don't connect that way. I've heard that um, said to me a lot. Well, I have two things that I'd like to counter with if that's where you're at this morning. And one is when you say, I just don't blank that way, you've now made it about you and not him. When we say I, that's now about us. When we're focusing our attention on God, our preferences don't matter. We're focusing on God and what he finds worthy. And he is worthy of all of our praise. And the second thing is that we were created in God's image. And God created music. Um, the Bible says that Lucifer was an instrument. He was the highest of the angels, which tells me that God values music and that music is very powerful. Wouldn't you agree? Music is impactful. Um, so if we were created in God's image, then music is a part of us in a, in a very powerful way. Um, music, can, <laughs> music can change your mood very easily. For instance, like how many of you can hear a certain song— and you instantly feel like you can conquer the world, right? Okay, or you have a breakup, and then you hear a song, and it just makes it feel worse, and you blast it, and yeah, okay. So we're going to do a little game here this morning, and I got a song I want you to hear. Let's see what this one makes you feel. Let's hear that first one. Y'all know this song, right? Yeah. How many of you want to go do burpees? Me. Okay, that's good. And then as soon as it ends, I'm like, I don't want to do another burpee. I don't. I don't have. Okay, let's hear the next one. All See, all the wives in the room are kind of like grabbing their husband's arm a little bit. You just kissed your husband's shoulder. And you're like, oh, honey, remember that night when the song played and it was raining and you stepped on my foot while we were dancing? And... Yeah, so that, that's a good one. That makes us feel warm and fuzzy. Let's hear the next one. How many of you know this one? We know this song, right? All right. This song comes on. You just kind of get a little pep in your step. You don't have to have a reason to be happy. You just can't be still. Your shoulders move. I can't dance, so I'm not going to try. Yeah, okay. And that's good on that one. And then I got one more for you. This one just really gets me. If you're feeling sad and you need to sulk, what about this song?
1: So it's it's, it's, you ladies. Have you ever been frustrated
0: at your husband or boyfriend? Hold on. This song is very angry. Y'all know this song? Okay. Your boyfriend, your husband, whoever made you mad, you just crank that in your car. There's no reason. You don't know the words, but you're like, yes, this resonates in me. I'm angry. Okay. And then what's the last one here? This one right here is really moving. How many of you heard this on? Yeah. And then I I've, I've got some people that are going to bring out some dogs right now. We're going to but we're going to hose them down first so that they so that they look really pitiful. Who's hosing down the dogs? Have y'all noticed that? Like they're like, "Hey, donate $10 for these dogs. They need an owner. They're soaking wet." And we're like, "Who's who's spraying the dogs? Are you spraying the dogs so that I give money?" Like I don't understand that. But it does make you feel sad, right? I mean, it does kind of guilt you into wanting to adopt 45 dogs from overseas. Okay, that's good. We don't have to listen to Sarah McLaughlin anymore. Listen, my point, it's fun to be silly, but in all honesty, we know that we can't deny music is powerful. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, music pulls on our emotions. Music uh, invigorates us. It's a powerful tool that God uses to connect us to his presence. Um, it's not about finding it important or liking the song. It's about if God finds it important, we need to find it important. So let's move on to number two, and it's to listen. So we just did look. Let's go over listen, and we're going to go back to Exodus chapter 3, but I'm going to start in verse 4. It says, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. I'm going to read that first part again. It says, When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to what? to look. When I read this, what it told me was God was waiting until he had his attention to speak. How many of you have kids in the room? Okay. Um, I, a lot of times with my children, at, at especially at a young age, I will say, my daughter's name is Collins, and I will say, Collins, look at me. Hey, sweetheart, look at me. And I don't tell her instructions until she looks at me. Have, have anybody else done this, or am I alone? Okay. Because (laughs) I'll give her those instructions after she's looking at me because I know she's listening. And I want to ask you, I wonder how many of us in this room are waiting to hear from God. He's waiting on you to look at him before he's going to speak to you in your life. I think it's amazing how much we want to hear God's voice, but how how little time we spend in his presence. And it's because in his presence, he speaks um, when you start your day, is it in his presence or is it on social media? You know, just being real with you. I've done, I do that sometimes, you know, when you start your day, is it in his presence or is it watching the sports center show in the morning? I do that too. I'm guilty of that. You know, when you start your day, is it in his presence or is it worrying about the stresses of life? Is it in his presence or is it about, is it about planning out your day? My point in all of this is if we want to hear what God is saying to us daily, then we must spend time in his presence daily. Are you with me on that? Okay. Um, Let me give you some examples in scripture of the importance of the presence of God. And we're going to go through a lot of them here. We'll put them up on the screen. You don't need to follow along. Um, The first one is Psalm 100 verse 2. It says, come before his presence with singing. So you can see right there, it's important that we do sing, whether we have a good voice or not. Let's go to Psalm chapter nine, verse three. It says, when my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your, what? Presence. The enemies that are coming against you are defeated by the presence of God. If you've got a situation in your life where you have something coming against you, nothing you can do can bring you this that God can bring you. You need to spend time in his presence and trust him to fight your battles. Let's go to the next one. It's Psalm 16, verse 11. It says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is what? Fullness of joy. How many of you this morning would say, Josh, I could use extra joy in my life? I could use some extra joy. We find it in the presence of God. Let's go to the next one, Psalm 68, chapter 68, verse 8. I love this one. It says, the earth shook. The heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. There's two things I got from this one. is One, blessings come from his presence, and mountains move in his presence. And I know that in my life, I would love to have some mountains be moved and to be blessed by the Father. Wouldn't you? And there's a last one. It's not in Psalms but I believe this one is very important. It's Acts chapter three, verse 19. It says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that, in time, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When we're dealing with seasons of life that are struggles and we're having ups and downs, right here you can read that it says, so times of, of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And so if you need refreshing this morning, have you spent time in his presence today? I know we did this morning and, and, and worship together. Um, and we're continuing to dive into his word. But that doesn't have to be it. After church, if you need more, you can go home. You can, on your car ride home, you could spend time with him in his presence. There's a reason that we start our service with worship. We're taking the attention off of us and we're placing it on him. And we're preparing our hearts to listen and learn in his presence. And that brings us to the third one. So the first one was look. We look and focus on God. We take our attention off ourself and we focus on him, all right? Now let's get to learn. So Exodus chapter uh, three, verse five is what we will start. It says, then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Anytime that we're in the presence of God, it's holy ground. Um, that can be here on Sunday mornings, like we just said, but it can be in your car, It can be uh, in your closet at home, in your bedroom. It can be anywhere that your attention is focused on him and spending time with him. That's holy ground. And I promise you that God's word stands true. If you try this this week and you put it to the test, he'll speak to you. His word doesn't come back void. Um, So this week, if there's anything you need answers for, you spend time in his presence and you calm the noise around you, and I promise you'll hear him speak. while Moses was um, on the mountain and he was spending time in the presence of God, he, he learned a lot. And one of the passages that tells me this is actually in Psalm 103, verse 7. It says, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. And a better way to understand that, I believe, is um, he made known what he did to the children of Israel, and he made known why he did it to Moses. Does that make sense? He made known what he did to the children of Israel. And he made known why to Moses. Moses got to learn the why. He was in the presence of God. Um, let me ask you a question. This little Bible trivia here. How many of you knew that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible? Raise your hand. Okay, good. That's very good. Pastor Adam did not raise his hand. I'm not saying anything. He maybe it was a slow raise. It was delayed. Um, he did. Okay. So check this out. I find this pretty cool. So Exodus chapter three, which we've been kind of going through, the first five verses there. That happened 2,500 years after creation, okay? So Exodus chapter three, what we've been reading, happened 2,500 years after creation. So I have a question. How could Moses write the first five books of the Bible other than God teaching him? We thought about that? Because he wrote those first. How could could Moses write about um, Adam and Eve and the seven days of creation and Abraham and Noah? It's because he spent time in the presence of God. And God told him. He sat there with him and said, hey, here's how it happened. In the presence of God. And I I think a lot of us can fall into the trap of saying, um, well, Moses was special. I mean, that's Moses. Come on, Josh. Um, But no, God said, let them all come to the mountain. And do you know what they said? They told Moses, no, you go up and you tell us what he's saying. And that spoke to me because I think we still do that a lot today. How many of us say, man, I, I have this this thing in my life, and pastor, I need you to pray for me and tell me what God is saying, right? And we do that a lot. We go to someone in our life that we know is like a, a really deep in, in the word and a prayer warrior, and we say, can you tell me what God is saying? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, and they can intercede on behalf for you, but I promise you that God's saying, you come. Yes, you can, I can speak to you through others, absolutely, but you're my child, and I want to talk to you. You come into my presence. I'll tell you. I'll teach you. But I want you to look, and I want you to listen, and then we can learn, okay? Let's keep going. I want to I take us to um, Psalm chapter 73. I told you earlier to mark that one as well. I did not forget. Did anybody mark it? We're going to read a lot of there. We're going to go through verse 1 through 17. So bear with me. I'm going to read the whole thing here. This is um, David talking. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles, their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. Their callous hearts come comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limit. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the most high know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain, I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence." All day long, I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply, and here's where I want you to pay attention, till I entered the sanctuary of God, that's his presence, then I understood their final destiny. I think everybody can relate to this. What he's saying here is, why are the godly having problems and the ungodly aren't? Have we, ever, have we ever thought that when we looked out into our daily life or into society and thought, why, why is that person who is just a sinful, horrible, arrogant, prideful, conniving, mean person, I'm not your mother-in-law, just like other people, I'm just kidding, why is that person being blessed by God. I'm over here and I'm, I'm praying every day and I'm a great parent and I tithe and I go to church and I, I love the Lord and, um, you, you know, all these things. And it's my life has struggles. Why is that? I'm sure we've all been in a position where we start to envy and judge outside of our life. And I just want to say that last verse again, verse 16, it says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me. Because he's trying to understand it with his mind, David. And it says, until I entered the sanctuary or presence of God, then I understood their final destiny. Until he went into the sanctuary, his perspective was changed. And I want to tell you this morning that your perspective changes in the presence of God. God taught him something in that moment. He was able to see God's perspective and see God's end because our minds don't know the end goal we, we don't We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow um, but God sees everything from a view above and He asks us to trust Him and he'll show us the way and he'll guide us, but only if we're in his presence and there and there might be situations that you're in today where maybe you're trying to find answers like why this or what do I do in this situation. And I really strongly want to say to you this morning to spend time in his presence and your perspective will change. So the first one, when we look or focus on God and we turn our attention off of everything that's distracting us and we look at him, he sees that we're focused on him. And what does he do? He speaks because he knows that we will listen. And when we listen to God, he will teach us and he will change your perspective, so we look and focus on him, we listen to what he's saying, and then we will learn, and his presence will change your perspective. And we do that in worship. worshiping uh it's a bridge that gaps that bridges the gap between us and his presence. and when what we do in worship, many of you have heard the old saying of worship is a sacrifice. I don't know if you've heard that. what they're saying is it's laying down, it's giving up of self. And so when we worship, it is taking our attention off of us and putting it on him. And so I just invite you as, as the weeks um, come and, and you come into uh, service for worship, come in and I hope you enjoy everything we have. I hope you enjoy coffee and, and food and, and fellowship with others. And when we start, don't worry about who's singing what. Don't worry about if it's a song that you know or don't know. I want you to focus your attention on God. That way he will speak to you and your heart will be able to learn and you'll walk out changed. And we don't just have to do this on Sunday. I want you to know that you can do it every single day. You can do it when you leave here. You can do it tomorrow. You can do it tonight. You can invite others and they will learn and you can be an example of God's love. We, um, as his children, have an amazing gift. But I do believe we get caught up in the noise and there's so many scriptures I could go through that speak about the, the importance of worship and his presence. We, we just touched a few here. Um, and so I just really want you to, this week, as you go into the beginning of your week, so let's approach it. Let's take it like a challenge, okay? This week, I want us all to take the next six days before we come back to church. And every day, we're going to take time to focus and look at God, listen to what he's saying, and learn. Okay, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you speak to us through your word. And God, I thank you for your presence. And I thank you that you are here this morning. You deserve all of our praise. And God, help us to learn how to mute the distractions and focus our attention solely on you Because it's you who are our rock and our hope. And when we start to rely or depend on anything else, we fall. So God, thank you for being our rock. God, I pray this week, as we start a new week, that each and every one of us would accept the challenge to daily, daily, look at you and focus on you. Let us listen to what you're saying and teach us so that you can change our perspective to a kingdom perspective this week. Show us who we should talk to, where we should go, what we should say, how we should act. Father, we're your vessels, and we thank you that we can trust you. So we lift all this up in your name, we pray. Amen.